Thank you for tuning in to the Rescue Mission Podcast, where we talk about real topics that affect real people. I'm your host, Caroline. I'm joined with my co-hosts, Jay and Blake, today. How are you guys doing? Very good. Good. Great. We are joined by our director of outreach today here at the mission, Dave Pitcher. Dave, we're excited to have you. How's your day going? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, it's going really well. Great. Dave, we just wanted to have you on here to talk about the rescue mission in terms of community partnerships, the services and resources these partnerships are connecting us to, and just anything that you really want to share. Yeah, um, it has been a really exciting like six or nine months here at the rescue mission. You know, we've always had a place with community partners, you know, working with the city occasionally. You know, we've always attended the uh, the area planning council for homelessness, both the quarterly meetings and the steering committee. But really within the last year, things have really taken off here in region three. And we have amplified our presence with our partners. Our partners have really stepped up to the plate. And just as a community as a whole, we've really been looking at the idea, you know, Jake was mentioning when they succeed, we succeed. Um, and I think coming together as a team, working together sort of across platforms, incredible things have been achieved. Can you share about some of our partnerships and what we are doing with them, if you can talk in specific? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the biggest things that has launched, and technically speaking, we're 2024 now, so we rewind all the way back to 2023. December the 1st, we launched um, as a city, the winter contingency model for this past year, going into this year. And so we came together with the United Way, Vincent Village, Just Neighbors, St. Joseph Missions, the city of Fort Wayne. The city came up with about $30,000 for us to be able to serve um, basically those in need in this community during the winter. So already the rescue mission expands services, you know, for families, for individuals uh, dramatically uh, through this time of year, as does Just Neighbors and Vincent Village and St. Joseph Missions. Um, so we have almost 40 beds. Uh, for women to utilize emergency services at Karis House right now. We dramatically expand the space and opportunity for men to stay at our 404 East Washington Boulevard location during this time of year, but we needed more. I was speaking to Josh Gale recently, who is the executive director at Just Neighbors. He had, uh, prior to Aaron Ness, who I think was on the podcast recently, kind of been in charge for the Region 3 Area Planning Council on Homelessness. And he said he can recall two years specifically, two recent years, where they served in total one family for two solid winter contingencies. So when the uh, when the specific council for winter contingency came together this past year, what we were talking about was how can we serve? Uh, and I think at the rescue mission and Jay, you know, you, you could chip in because I know that you worked a lot in our life house and our emergency services department for a while. But I mean, I think we would see between maybe two and five families a year. Yeah, that's fair. Just kind of coming through looking for services in the evening, sometimes at night. Yep. So these are the numbers that we were that we were exploring, right? So we kind of put together a plan where we would um, basically try to provide overnight services with a partnership with a local hotel um, for families that we didn't have room for at Karis House or at Just Neighbors, basically waiting for um, space to be made in those facilities. So we want to use the, the vouchers for the families uh, while space is being created at Karis House and Just Neighbors uh, as an opportunity to make sure that these families have shelter during some of the coldest parts of the year. And for the first couple of months uh, of December, this past December, 
we saw maybe two or three families coming in to, to use these services um, while they got on the, uh, the wait list, you know, for one of our shelters. And we were able to uh, move one of those families into Karis House. But what we quickly saw as we came into January was that number begin to skyrocket. And I think what happened was um, through this partnership with the city of Fort Wayne, they made a, a, a great post uh, that came out of uh, John Perlick's office, who's the director for public information for the city of Fort Wayne. He did a wonderful job of really putting out the services that we have to provide. And um, I think, uh, you know, a lot of our local city council members posted that to their Facebook pages. I think there was some local news coverage. So people knew that there were services available for families. And when they began to hear about it, they began um, to come to the rescue mission to seek these services out. And we do have these services still available uh, from 4.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. That's the check-in time at our 404 East Washington Boulevard location. So about three weeks into January, we started to see numbers 10, 11 families a night, 11 unique families coming in to the rescue mission to receive these services, which is not something that we could have anticipated. Right. Would you, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's really been just an incredible, one of the really interesting things, the largest family that we've served so far this season had 10 individuals in the family. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. 10 individuals in that family. Do you know where they were at before they came here? I don't off the top of my head. I don't know. Okay. Um, I know that 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 specific family, we needed three hotel rooms just to serve that family each night. And, and that's a challenge with placement that we're seeing because uh, a lot of our family shelters like Harris House and Just Neighbors, they're not really designed to support families of that size. Mm-hmm. So we're having to get really creative. Uh, one of the things that we are beginning to do is reach out to SCAN um, to try to work with them, see if we can get uh, someone from SCAN out maybe once a week to be able to connect with the families. They have a, a community planning program, I believe, community partners, a community partners program where they offer case management to families on crisis situations like this. I know Josh has also offered some case management from just neighbors to be able to come out possibly as frequently as once a week to help work with some of these families. We have also some of our outreach coordinators working specifically Um, with these families in the evening, um, checking them in, making sure that they have what they need. Um, The children, this is kind of exciting. We have some like some little bags put together downstairs and they have coloring books, stuffed animals, sometimes a toothbrush and toothpaste, things like that, that the children are able to get. The bags are labeled by age um, so that like a 13 year old isn't getting like a little block puzzle. (laughs) But, um, you know, so the kids have been pretty excited to, to get some of those. And we're really trying to, you know, we make the, we make sure that the families know like this is a short-term solution, but what we want to do is connect you, right, with the appropriate partners and resources to be able to find uh, more sustainable housing in the future. Can we take a step back for those that maybe are listening and wouldn't know? What is SCAN? Yeah. Um, so SCAN is an incredible organization. They are right down on Main Street, kind of by the old new Sentinel building there. Mm-hmm. Um SCAN stands for Stop Child Abuse and Neglect. They're, uh, you know, they're an, they're an amazing organization. Um, you know, here locally, they provide case management. They, they offer a lot of other services to families and children. I know one of the main things they do is they try to reunite families. Um, you know, if a child, for instance, is taken away, maybe is in the foster care system, um, they can step in to provide like some supervised visits and begin to work towards the reunification of a family. So what do all these partnerships mean for not only the rescue mission, but the community as a whole? And, and what do you see happening within the the community and these partnerships that are growing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think one of the first things um, outside of like some really tangible um, outcomes, like we talked about with the winter contingency hotel vouchers, 
uh, is greatly increased communication between agencies. So I know recently, you know, our, our new CEO, um, Thomas MacArthur, was able to go out with uh, Josh Gale and also um, Jennifer from the United Way, and they were able to address city council and talk about winter contingency. They were able to talk about, um, you know, some of the services, the broadening spectrum of services uh, that we're able to offer during these cold months and really kind of uh, really begin to not only engage and educate, but also work alongside those city council members to try to continue to expand these services, right? Um, so we had uh, Councilman Jeff Paddock, who is our District 5 uh, representative on city council, out that same week, I believe, for a tour. And he was able to come and see exactly what happens here at the rescue mission, um, which was really neat um, and exciting to be a part of that. We had uh, Deputy Chief uh, Mitch McConnell with him as well, coming alongside, you know, showing that incredible and increasing support that we have and that relationship with the Fort Wayne Police Department. You know, that's something that has grown just dramatically recently. We are so grateful uh, for the support that we get from our local police department uh, and our local fire department um, as well. Um, you know, and th those those relationships are so key in being able to continue to offer, you know, trauma-based care to those who come here seeking refuge. And and maybe for people that don't know, why why is a relationship with the, the PD so important and the, the fire department? Just to elaborate on that slightly. Absolutely. You know, crisis situations arise and it's uh, important that we react appropriately and safely during those times. Uh, one of the things that I know like Captain Kevin Hunter from the Fort Wayne Police Department has worked so, I mean, he has just put his entire weight behind um, trying to find supportive resources for individuals in this community that don't necessarily lead to incarceration, right? So he helped develop the heart team here in town. And, uh, you know, we have, uh, we work with Darcy, who's the head social worker at the heart team um, so frequently. So those are actually, it's a team of social workers uh, that work with, I believe, two detectives from uh, the Fort Wayne Police Department. And they will actually go on site. And instead of, for instance, like putting handcuffs on someone and taking them to jail, they're really working towards solutions. They're working towards uh, getting into a, uh, a substance use program, right? They're looking at getting connected with uh, different resources so that they can get out of the situation that they're in, as opposed to finding themselves in jail overnight yeah. and then kind of being in the same situation the next day. You know, uh, so many of our um, police are now uh, CIT uh, trained, which is also something that Captain Hunter put into place. I know that, uh, I want to say that Mitch said his entire, uh, all the officers under him are CIT trained. Wow. Um, yeah. So Mitch, if I'm wrong, don't quote me on that. So back to the partnerships, what are some interesting or some new developments, maybe beyond just winter contingency that, uh, the partnership has started talking about or that are excited to explore? Maybe there's, there's nothing there yet, but you know, there's a need. That's a great question. We're already having meetings about how to serve these families once winter contingency ends. Um, you know, come April, um, we will not have a winter contingency plan in place any longer neither in the community, like from the city of Fort Wayne's perspective, nor here at the rescue mission. Uh, so with the incredible increase in families needing overnight services that we have seen, uh, one of the things that we're beginning to talk about both internally and with our um, partners is how do we continue to serve these families? Uh, because as we know, it's not like, uh, you know, April comes around and then all of a sudden it's 70 degrees outside at night, mm, right? right? We're still going to have frost on the windows. There's still going to be children who don't have a place to stay. And it will take an entire community effort um, for us to be able to find good solutions for this. Um, none of us want to see, you know, a family, um, certainly not a family with children outside when it is incredibly cold out, regardless of the month of the year. 
And so these are conversations that are happening right now. And, and I think more than ever before, I, I feel like I can confidently say uh, that they are happening um, with a multitude of local agencies at the table. That's great. So to elaborate on the winter contingency, because I know it's always kind of not only a hot button topic for our community, but something that can be somewhat confusing. When it comes to the rescue mission and we're providing services year round, 24-7, can you maybe elaborate for our audience to understand the difference of winter contingency for the community, for maybe the city of Fort Wayne, as well as maybe some of our partners, versus winter contingency for the rescue mission, where our doors are always open. We always have a place that someone can come in, sit, stay warm, or or even cool off if it's hot in the, the summer months. Just kind of let our audience know why we use the terms winter contingency just to be in in lines with what the community says. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is good. I, I think I think one of the things uh, that might be helpful as we look at this sort of like um, like when we look at our partners and we look at the city of Fort Wayne and then we look at the services that the rescue mission itself provides, there is a distinction there and then a lot of these other organizations will receive government funding, right? So as the rescue mission, we have made a decision um, to not receive government funding. We want to make sure that we are always able um, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and everything that we do. We want no hindrance or hurdle there in front of us uh, when we do that. You know, uh, we constantly point to our mission and vision statement. You know, we strive to provide through the power of Jesus Christ, the home for the homeless, food for the hungry, and hope for their future. Um, and that's what we want to continue to do 24 hours a day, seven days a week, um, every day of the year, right? Um some of our other partners, you know, they have found, you know, for their organization, it makes sense for them to work with government funding. Um, so they have to attend uh, three out of the four uh, quarterly planning committee meetings uh, for the city. You know, they have to be engaged in the pit count. We choose to be voluntarily because we want to be good partners in the community, right? Uh, the pit is not something that's required of us to be a part of. Rather, it's something that we want to be a part of because we want to help our fellow agencies, Um and we all want to see everyone in our community receive the services that they need. Um, so that $30,000, you know, that's no, no piece of that that the, uh, the city of Fort Wayne ha has dedicated to when our contingency is coming um, directly into the, uh, the rescue mission. Um, but what it is doing is going directly to those people who need these services. Right now we're dedicating, you know, over 22 hours a week of staff hours alone, um, just specifically to checking individuals into the winter contingency plan for this year. And we're happy to do it. We're happy to do it. You know, it's it's an incredible thing to be a part of. You know, and, and I think that, you know, we should also mention it's not, you know, a lot of these other organizations, I mean, they're not getting money right now from winter contingency either. You know, that that's hundred percent of those monies are going to serve these families um, at this point in time. So um, it, it's, it's an exciting thing to be a part of. I would be curious to know how, let me back up a little bit over the last few months, you've been the kind of the point person, in a lot of big initiatives behind the scenes, the Alliance health clinic, the winter contingency, the bringing together these different agencies to the table. Um, I've personally seen you kind of like making an effort, um, and working behind the scenes in these, how has all of this grown you as a leader? Because we, like we talked about a couple of years ago, this wasn't what it is now. There weren't different organizations coming together, partnering with the community. The, the need wasn't there that it is now. So I would be curious to know for our listeners how you have grown as a leader through this, maybe some things that have surprised you, some things that have disappointed you, and how you're looking towards the future with that mindset. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks, Jay. You know, I mean, that's an interesting thing to bring up. You know, one of the really fortunate things um, that I have as the director of outreach is that the uh, specific program um, that I supervise is kind of full of rock stars. 
right? Um, like Patrick Mojet, Steve Macaru, Gary Espinoza, they're doing amazing work, right? And so they don't require a great degree of direct supervision, which kind of it makes it e- a lot easier on me. Otherwise, I'd be pulling down some pretty extreme numbers a week, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so they're doing an amazing job. We recently have brought another partner into the outreach program. So that was once, um, you know, just a partnership between the Rescue Mission and Parkview Behavioral Health Institute Park Center. Uh, whereas now we have a third partner, Alliance Health Centers has come in. So that's exciting, you know. So, I mean, we, we're able to provide case management, coordinated entry assessments, on-site therapy and counseling, on-site psychiatric services, and then general care practitioners all together to make an incredible bundle for our residents who come into services there. It, it, it's mind-blowing, you know, light years ahead of where we were two years ago. And, and as you said, Jay, you know, grateful to uh, to have been a part of bringing that Alliance Health Centers clinic on site. Uh, you know, I know a lot. You know, Thomas and uh, some of our senior vice presidents, uh, Brent and Dusty, were really uh, integral pieces in making that work. Dr. King and Mike Glover over at Alliance Health Centers have just been, uh, you know, sort of incredible partners to be able to engage and bring on site. Uh, Blake even made a poster for us. Yep. Yep. Sure did. Yeah. Way to go, Blake. Yeah. Megan Volk. Way to go. Yeah. The sum <laughs> total of, counts. Yeah. The sum total of his contribution there. So <laughs> it was good to be able to see him, um, you know, for friendly someone. Spread my wings. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's been great, you know, really more fully stepping into the role, uh, you know, with, with the community, you know, I've had, um, kind of great teachers outside the rescue mission, you know, Josh Gale, the executive director at Just Neighbors, you know, we've mentioned him earlier in this podcast, you know, he's someone that I've worked with for a couple of years. Traditionally speaking, he had worked really closely with Sharon Garrick, who had been our director of emergency services here, has held several director roles over the course of the last decade plus, probably at the rescue mission. She, you know. I won't even say big shoes to fill, fill because, the, you know, I, I, I will never fill Sharon's shoes, but she certainly taught me a lot about moving into these roles and then some of her relationships that she had with these other organizations. You know, she graciously uh, passed on to me as she's sort of taken a different route here, working with our care initiative. You know, Erin Ness has been great to work with, the United Way. Um, it's an easy group of people to work with because they're all so community focused, um, so focused on serving individuals. It, it's been really great to, to just be able to be a part of it. Very humbling. So on that note as well, what's maybe a misconception or a misunderstanding that you've seen happen a lot within the community that is either about the rescue mission or it could be about those that we serve. It could even be about our partnerships with other organizations and just a way in which people would know like, hey, no, this is really what's happening right now. Yeah. You know, there are always uh, a lot of narratives in the community, right, about different organizations and how and who different organizations uh, serve people. I think the main thing that I would want to focus on here is is not so much everything that's been said, but I just want to invite everybody, you know, if you're interested in what the rescue mission really does, like if you are interested in the services that we provide, how we provide them, what that looks like, volunteering is always an option, but I would encourage you just to reach out. You can reach out to me. We can put my information up. I would love to have um, anyone who's interested out for a tour of our facility. I am happy to walk everyone through the process of what it looks like from when an individual comes in, you know, man, woman, or child, when they walk into the rescue mission, what that experience looks like what our meal services look like, what our residential programs look like, even what our corporate structure looks like. We are not a closed book here. If you're really um, looking to access information about the rescue mission, we want you to have that information. We're happy to share it and uh, we're always learning and improving. But I think I would say nine out of 10 tours that I give, I think people are are sort of blown away, you know, at the incredible blessings that we have here and at uh, just the different resources that we equip uh, 
that we connect individuals to. To tap onto that, we actually have quarterly tour and learns that people can sign up for on our website. The next one is February 13th. Yeah. So Jay, is there anything you want to share about volunteering for those that might be interested in that? Yeah, it's a great way to find out about what we do here at the Rescue Mission to be a part of it. As Dave mentioned earlier, we have care initiatives because we don't want to just provide services. We want to impact the person and bring people into their lives that aren't paid to be in their lives, but people that want to be in their lives. So if you're interested in coming to the Rescue Mission and really making an impact on the community that we serve, volunteering is a great way to do it. That's great. Well, Dave, it's no secret you're busy. So thank you for taking time out of your schedule to share with us and listeners and all of this. We appreciate it. Yep, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in to the Rescue Mission podcast. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.